Welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? You know, it's a it's a cool, crisp fall evening. It's and November. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> so, it's kind of weird, because like, at this point in the schedule, I think I keep saying this, we should be talking about actual basketball games again, and we're not. We're talking about the NBA draft. But we're getting close. We think? <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, uh... Because LeBron's like, no. Here's the deal. What I'm worried about is I'm going to be stuck watching these freaking Eagles for the next Ooh. 10 weeks on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, this Eagles-Cowboys game right now is rough. Just absolutely atrocious. But, like, the, but they won't get flexed out. No, I, th- I think I could honestly get more enjoyment from watching a Kansas-Kansas State game on a Saturday <laughs> than watch this Cowboys-Eagles game right now. It's pretty tough. It's rough. It's rough. But, you know, we're moving past it. We're moving past it. It was a rough weekend for me. The Packers lost. Oklahoma State football lost. Yeah. In a just atrocious way. It was a, it was a rough weekend all the way around. I think, I think everyone's kind of at the point. Like, if you weren't already there, I mean, every team is trying to get you there at this point now. Yeah, it's like Kansas City is the only one. I feel like Steelers fans and Kansas City fans are the only ones who are just doing cartwheels in the street. Yeah, pretty much. And everyone else is just enjoying their misery party in 2020. Hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Uh, before we get... As I mentioned, we're talking about the draft uh, in this in this episode. This part three, we'll be talking about forwards. In yeah. this, which is uh, exciting, I guess. We're kind of getting into that part of uh, the draft where, like, you're starting to get into bigger people. And- Harder. And this is, this is the category where some teams will love to take a swing. But then it's next week's where people are like, I don't know what to value you with and then it's just gonna turn into a whole bunch of potential guys that are yep. like you know this could get, guy could be like javel mcgee oh boy <laughs> which is just amazing uh that's where we are with the nba draft though um before we dive too much further into that uh you can follow us on twitter at nba couch gm pod and on instagram and on instagram excuse me at couch gm podcast um and if you haven't yet give us a rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice matt we're on episode 86 yes what happened in episode 85 so we talked a bit about how the pelicans and pacers uh finally hired some new head coaches and we were then just waiting on houston and okc we're still waiting on one of them and uh, I talked about the Pelicans hire specifically with Stan Van Gundy. Like, what's that maybe going to look like with Zion and how that team's built going forward? We also consider, uh, talked about how the NBA is considering starting the season in late December, the 22nd. But as we alluded to, you know, the NBA Players Association is kind of getting some pushback with that now. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? Which there's... <sighs> That there's certain voices in the room, I'm sure, that are saying, are you kidding me? There's no way we're playing in December. And there's others that like, we haven't played since March, so we're good to go. You yeah, know? a counterpoint to that is that those guys who are probably speaking the loudest are going to take a two-week pay- break and yeah. go visit Miami halfway through the season, so let's let's bump the brakes on that one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, LeBron. The, the NFL trying to figure, or the NFL, the NBA trying to figure out, you know, the whole money thing, because you got to play a certain amount of games if you want to get those big tv dollars and uh you know at this point if if you told me definitively we're starting december 22nd 
I'd believe you if you told me we were starting January 18th. I'd believe you. At this point, I really don't know what's going to happen um, with that. And then uh, in part two of our draft series, we talked about wings, maybe maybe the most valuable position. Um, again, we break uh, the draft down by positions of guards, wings, forwards, and bigs rather than the five normally talked about positions just because at this point in the NBA and how the teams are structured, it's it's better just to leave it a bit more broad with your position types, um, considering how teams form their rosters and, and uh, lineups nowadays. So that was Wings Part 2 in Episode 85. Moving on to this week in NBA news. And if you had a dry erase board that was like weeks and last <laughs> how many days until the NBA has been overly dramatic it would be at zero because again they just they love to do this like we like last week was kind of like the oh okay like whatever and then this week just went like full overboard starting off with maybe one of my favorite things that has happened in the nba in a long time is daryl morey remember him we talked about him a couple weeks ago saying he was stepping away from the rockets gig wanted to spend more time with his family ryan yeah until apparently <laughs> he's joining now the Philadelphia front office as vice president of basketball operations. That's right. If you're curious, he's now Elton Brand's boss, which makes no sense. <laughs> he's really, basically, he's running the Sixers basketball. He essentially got a promotion. He got fired and got a promotion. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's been the rumors now of like, well, was this really in the works like before the bubble even started that he was leaving Houston? And if he was leaving Houston, then he's going back east. I don't know. I really don't know. It, Philly, of course, is saying we didn't talk to him about it until after he announced he was leaving Houston. And then he ultimately decided to. I don't know if I believe that, right? Because this... I, it just feels so... Like, the timing of it all feels very suspicious. Like, it feels like they could have announced this the day after he left Houston. And no one would have been, like, shocked either. Yeah. And, but, like, they decided to hold off to get, like, to act like he was going to be out of the NBA for a year. And, like, the crazy thing about this is that the original architect behind Trust the Process, Sam Hinkie, used to be work under Daryl Morey yeah. in Houston. His protege. Like, this is, like, are we doing this again? Like, Daryl Morey, of course, has, like, diff very different views on a couple different things. Like, he's not going to tank this team to the bottom but, but the idea of play the math play the math very much is 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 a more thing um or more however the heck you say his last name um this is gonna be fascinating right like the, the philadelphia has not been cheap this offseason they no. they have bolstered their front office and went out and hi hired a head coach yeah like an expensive head coach and doc rivers so and that's the thing with a lot of other teams worried about financials like are we getting fans in the stands are we getting that kind of revenue what's happening with the tv money philly is like i don't care yeah it's very unphilly like to yeah. to be like that but to me this all is also a signal of well we got joel and ben right now and we need to win because if we don't start winning soon i don't know how much longer we have ben and joel together so, yeah yeah so let's let's make as many moves as we can make now to make this work because if it's not working in like a year maybe two there's no way one of those guys isn't being like get me out i think that's part of the mori move too is that if this thing doesn't pan out 
this guy's one of the best in the business at making trades. Yeah. And, like, if you're looking at getting value for a guy like Simmons or Joel, like, you have to have confidence that yeah. Daryl's going to find that value. Really, you look back to the, like, the acquiring of CP3 in Houston being like, wow, you made that work. That's incredible. Now, I know he also traded CP3, but as what's been largely reported, that wasn't really what he wanted to do. He right. Was, he wanted to right. keep Chris Paul, but Harden and uh, Tillman Fertitta said otherwise. Overrode that so, decision. Yep. You know, at, at that point, maybe you're just really looking at, you know, we, we're swinging big, you know, and if with this team, if it's more, or the swing bigs means how do we fill out around Ben and Joel? Okay. Or maybe in a year or two, it's how do we adjust and pivot off of one of those guys and continue to be competitive? It's it's going to be really interesting to see the path they end up going down. But, you know, basketball, it's not ultimately about who's in the front office. It's about who's on the court. Yeah. So, ultimately, it still lies with Ben and Joel if this Daryl Morey experiment works or not. That's a great point. Moving on. Back to the Houston Rockets. They hired a head coach. They did. Steven Silas is their next head coach. Yeah. And now we're all staring at Oklahoma City. Like, what you doing? It's been like, what, six weeks now without Since a head Donovan coach? Since left? Something like that. It, it's been a while because it's been pre the finals that that was announced, right? Or shortly after the finals? I mean, around there, uh, I think for OKC, we were talking off air, it's... They don't want to spend a ton of money on a coach. And yep. that's that's tough. Um, because I can't tell still if they want to be competitive or not for next year. And competitive meaning like maybe make the playoffs competitive. I, I'd like to think that they were going to bottom out and, you know, go into that 2020, 2021 draft as strong as possible to get a high pick. But at this point, I'm not sure what they're doing one way or the other. I mean, that's the thing. There hasn't been a lot of reporting around this at all. Like, you haven't heard, like... I mean, you heard one name early on in Kenny Atkinson, but then he has decided to join, or potentially join another staff around the NBA as an assistant coach. Um, and now it's it's kind of weird, because, like, all the big names are taken off. Mm-hmm. There's not... I mean, it doesn't feel like there's a rush or urgency to get a head coach in at this position. I think we talked a little bit about it last week, but I still think that Presti is waiting on this moratorium to end so he can make some trades, move off some guys, and kind of clear clear the dust and yeah. figure out what this franchise is going to be going forward for the next three or four years. Um, it's a weird deal. But, I mean, congratulations. Back to the original point, congratulations to Steven Silas. Yeah, uh, coming off the Rick Carlisle, Dallas Maverick yeah. bench. Yeah. Which... If you're trying to keep Harden, you're trying to keep this team largely together, at least stylistically together. Dallas and Houston played similar systems yep. this year. I mean, it, yep. in Dallas, it was give the ball to Luka, space out, and play defense around him. James Harden, we know that's been the system for years. So, okay, so stylistically, this makes sense. Silas has been an assistant coach in the league for around 20-ish years now. So, I mean, he's got experience on NBA benches before. You know, is he going to be great there as a head coach? I don't know. I don't really know that much about him as a person, as like a dude. But at least from a basketball perspective, we've seen him the last couple of years in a style similar to this. So I'd like to think it'll at least somewhat work. And at very worst, you have James Harden. So 
That's always a good backup option if your coach doesn't know what they're doing. That's a great point. I mean, he carried a couple bad coaches there in Houston for a while, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, congratulations, Steven Silas. Now just one remains. Uh, moving on. Nets add Mike D'Antoni and Emi Ukuda. How far was I off on that name? Uh, Udoka. Oh my god, I was so far <laughs> off. You, you mixed up the K and the D. Uh, well, you swapped him. You know, he, life happens. Lo- longtime Spurs assistant, though. Yeah, uh, to coaching staff. So, um, it feels like the Nets are trying to add as many experienced head coaches around like the, uh, Steve Nash as possible. Maybe Kyrie was right. We're all head coaches here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, at this point, now you got, like, Amari and D'Antoni and Udoka maybe and Steve that, Nash and Jock Vaughn still. Jock Vaughn still there. Maybe that's it. They just need a whole bunch of guys who can yell at Kyrie. That's just collectively, like, we know more than you. And if you don't think one of us does, collectively we do. It also feels like Mike D'Antoni's going to be the first guy to bounce. As soon as there's, like, head oh, yeah. coaching yeah, yeah, job, yeah. like, open. For, like, a decent team. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, like, can you just imagine if, like, the Bucks are like, we're done with Budenholzer. Oof. And D'Antoni, let's get out and run with Giannis. Oof. Oh I'm gosh. just throwing names out into the universe and seeing what happens, okay? Seven That's seconds all or less. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> more Philly news. Oh, my gosh. Again, not afraid to spend this offseason. I'll give them credit. Dave Yeager, yep. for, former Kings head coach. Closest, and Grizzlies head coach. Yeah, for, closest... Gri- <laughs> Closest Kings head coach get to the playoffs since 2000. It, 2000. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> 20 years. And he got fired. Uh, anyway, and Sam Cassell joined Stock River staff in Philly. This is just like incredible, right? I mean, they're, Philly is really trying to stack it up. Like, it, to the point of like, if we don't win, this we can no longer blame the front office. We can no longer blame the coaching staff. If we don't win, it's because of the players. Yeah, it's really like just a science experiment. You're trying to like isolate the variables here. <laughs> what what is or is not the problem? At this point, I mean the way they're they're doing things, they're putting it on the players now. Um, spoiler alert: we all know it's the players. We could, <laughs> but you know what? Let Philly figure it out for themselves. I guess so. It's like telling a kid not to put his hand through a hot stove. What is he gonna do? Sometimes you just gotta let him do it. Just, I guess, just let him touch the stove. Get that third degree burn, right? <laughs> but you know what? They'll never do it again then. That's until true. Until they do. <laughs> uh, but oh hey, God. you know, Philly's survival fr- of the fittest, right? Natural selection. Yeah, Philly's our favorite team to hit on outside of the Knicks. Anyway, there's our Knicks shot. 13, 14 minutes in, 15 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> next piece of news. League is allowing all teams to open up practice facilities up to 10 players yeah again i think this is their way of like trying to get like hey december 22nd this is real whether you believe us or not we're happening december 22nd is there like a single player who's like yeah i'm in for this like the teams who haven't played in march but the lakers are all like still out on vacation right yeah i mean pretty much i would like to think all the non-bubble teams are like let's play yeah yeah any guy and then even from like the teams that didn't make the bubble whether you made the playoffs or not made the bubble like the minimum guys they're like let me get in there so this would be an interesting idea what if there was a delayed start for the bubble teams so i i thought about this okay what if december 22nd you know the march teams the you know all the march teams maybe even the non-playoff teams that made the bubble like you start december 22nd yeah but everyone else you start like new year's day or something like it's like you know a week and a half yeah but 
a week and a half is a week and a half. So it's like, how cool would that be to kick off 2021 with Nuggets Lakers. and Lakers? Yeah, something yeah. like that. You know, um, I don't know. You have to squeeze in probably three more games later on. But at that point, you know, who cares? Right. And, you know, who knows with this schedule, if you're playing like four and fives and, you know, back to backs and how many, you know, three and fours do you have? Probably a lot more than normal. But that's just what it's going to take to get the back following season back on schedule yeah. and everything. Yeah, Whew. it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting ride here. Um, just an interesting little thought experiment there. Uh, last piece of news here, and then we'll get on to our draft preview. Kansas City, Buffalo, Newark, and Louisville are making a push to be the temporary home of the Raptors next season. Yeah, because you know Canada's like. Why would we have people flying in and out? We've got this under control, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and you know the Raptors still want to be a part of the NBA, so they it, might have they to do should. that. Yeah, um, it's kind of like what the Blue Jays got into for baseball. Of like, you know, we we got to play somewhere else. We can't play our home games in Toronto. Yeah, I any I'd those... be down for like Kansas City. And, you know, that's that's my one too. And it's not just that I lived in Missouri for a while. I really do think like Kansas City is a sneaky like expansion type yeah. type city just because it's you know kansas as a state has a long time you know basketball, basketball. history of course with the, more the university but it's like okay kansas city whether it's technically missouri or kansas you know whatever who cares it's the same same place um like that's kind of an interesting one and it's another one of these midwestern types that the league like doesn't want to totally exclude you know, the Utah Jazz, this is a piece of news forgot to add, just sold. sold. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying they're leaving Utah. If they leave Utah, I hope they go to Seattle. But, um, you know, if the league wants to expand or someone else wants to move, Kansas City's not a bad option. Yeah, Kansas I City, I think Louisville's always been an interesting option because of yeah. basketball ties again. And in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just so dense in terms of basketball teams. Yeah. You know, that side of the Mississippi, that it's like, okay, Kansas City, it feels a little more... Like, if you wanted to put them in the West, you could put them in the West, yeah. right? Because in the East, everyone's bunched up in that Northeast corner, and then the few Florida teams. It's basically it, is the East. So, I don't know. I like Kansas City. I like the idea of Kansas City. Obviously, Kansas City's done well with pro sports, so why not? It's a great point. Uh, yeah, that's all we have for news, and now we'll be going on to draft preview series part three matt how excited are you for this so one i'm pretty pumped Mm. because like there's actually a couple guys near the top of this list that are worth talking about um and then there's a there's like three three and a half guys where it's like absolutely no idea what to do with them (laughs) and as like a draft person I love them. I would I would hate to be a team actually considering taking one of them, but from my seat, <laughs> I love this part of it because mm. there's just so much. Like you got a deep dive into some guys to figure out what's going on. But even the first two, there's still a lot of projection with them. We didn't talk about before pronunciations. So do you need me to take? No, I'm, you, I'll, I'll give struggle it a shot? through with it. I love it. <laughs> you know, I'll take my shot here. All right, so we got tier one here, top five star potential. Yes. Um, I'm gonna start off with I think what is the easier one? Okay. Isaac Okoro. Yeah, out of Auburn. 
I think you've had to correct me on that one multiple times this past season. But it's because he's, like, played in America, you know? So it's, like, it's easier to talk to you about him during the year also. And then the other one, I'm going to butcher this. But I'm going <laughs> to give it my best best shot. Denny Avedici. No, Avedia. I don't know. <laughs> You're actually, so Denny. Yeah, D-E-N-I, Denny. And then Avdia. Avdia. Yeah. Man, I was way off on that first try. You had you had the A-V part right. Yeah, I don't know why I had the I-C there at the end when there's an A. I'm just, it's completely incompetent. He, he is, my part. you know, it's, you know, working on your uh, Serbian slash uh, Israeli heritage Jeez, type last names. I can get Luca right, and that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll start with Avdia. Um, just because I have him slightly higher on my board than Okoro, not by much. Um, I have Abdia at like four, I think, and then Okoro at six right now. Um, so with Abdia, so I mentioned international player, obviously. Um, he's really played his whole career in Israel. So uh, played for Maccabi Tel Aviv, the, the biggest team there. He got in with their um, program when he was 13 and then uh, bumped up to their senior team when he was like 16, almost 17. So he's one of those guys, and he's like 19, Maybe he's 20 years old now. You know, again, this offseason being adjusted in terms of timeline has thrown me off with, like, how old some of these guys are now. But he's, like, a normal, like, finished his freshman year age. Mm. Um, so he's been playing up with their senior team now for a couple years, starting for them. He's, a, like, a league MVP in Israel, which, again, I don't, honestly, I don't know if he should have been the MVP this year. But, like, he's he is legitimately good. Yeah. Um, he, for some like the FIBA type things, the under 20 type competitions across the world, this past, um, competition, I, I guess last summer, again, the timeline's thrown off in my head. <laughs> um, he actually led Israel to like the gold medal, which it's like Israel, right? And it's him and it was really one other guy, um, Jan Meder, who I have as like a second round point guard, mm. um, around 40 ish on my board. Um, but it's like right, and so it's like he was playing like Spain and stuff, and it's like one, so and he he was balling out. So talking about Denny as a player now, so his best skill is being a creator. He's like six nine two twenty. Um, he's not like a great looking two twenty, like but he's got obvious like ways he could fill out better. But I mean, he's been playing professionally in Israel, so you know is what it is. Um, he's a big wing slash forward. I'd put him as a forward more. Um, cause he's, he's tougher than you'd think he'd be, you know, for an international guy. Um, he, he'll dunk on you a little bit. So that, that's nice to see. He's most comfortable in pick and roll. He can make just about every pass. He needs to get more comfortable with his left hand as a passer, but he sees every pass. He makes mm. just about every pass. Um, so I, I like him a lot. So he, his biggest area of concern is the jump shot. And it's not that it doesn't look good. It just hasn't gone in a ton. And even from the free throw line, it hasn't gone in a ton. So I would like to to think that he can get better with it because it looks clean. And when they came back after COVID, it continued to look good and it went in. So I would like to think he's a 19-ish year old kid who just needs more time to get game reps with the jump shot and like... Maybe if he's not handling the ball every single possession, that will help, like, just, hey, I need to just spot up every now and again. And then the shot, you know, when it's less contested, less, like, off the dribbles every single time, it'll look better, ultimately. 
Um, I think he's going to be a decent defender, like in the Israeli leg. Like he'll get a few blocks, which like at the NBA level, I don't see much happening. But you know, it's because he's there. He's in the right spots overall. He's got you know not the greatest wingspan, but longish arms. I I think he at worst is going to be a smart team defender, mm-hmm. which I can have like a fairly competent like team defender who is more of a creator on ball and makes a lot of good passes and a lot of good reads. I'll I'll take that. Now, at the NBA level, again, I don't know how much you want him running your offense, and part of that's just, you know, is he ultimately going to be good enough off the dribble offensively to warrant it in the NBA? But at very worst, he's a really good cutter. Um, he, he's good at finding the open spots. So in a system, you know, maybe Golden State, where it's like, I don't need you to dribble that much. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if the ball gets swung to you, fine. You know, and there's eight seconds left in the shot clock, fine. But really, it's make good passes, make good cuts, be a competent team defender. I think that's, like, totally reasonable for him with more upside available. So I think teams that should be interested in in Avdia would be, like, uh, Golden State. I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty yep. obvious one. I, I think the Hornets, but I don't know if he's, like, a big enough star for them like because mm. i think they're just they're reaching for stars in this yeah. draft i don't know if he, that he fits quite that mold for them but um the bulls the Cavs, uh hawks the hawks one i think would work really well as like the secondary creator next to trey young yeah um i don't see him getting past the pistons at seven you know he fits nick's sons like he fits pretty much the entire top 10 but i i think if he is there by the pistons unless like Lamelo has fallen by then, I don't think he gets past Detroit. And if he did, I mean, the Knicks—I don't know—would fans riot if they took another international <laughs> white guy? Probably. Um, probably. He kind of just the little clips I was just watching. He kind of looks like a smaller Kristaps. So, like, like he, he kind of has that. Like, I don't know. He dribbles so much more than Kristaps, though. Yeah, um, he does. He does look more athletic, I guess, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Because, like, he legitimately can play, like, the four. Yeah. yeah like, he, yeah, yeah. he can. Um, I would say, like, you know how, like, Luca got, like, they didn't think his game would translate because he was an international guy. Yeah. But, like, obviously Luca was incredible and everyone who didn't <laughs> listen to anything sensible was wrong. Like, what people thought Luca was going to be as, like, a hater, I think is, like, a more reasonable projection of, of Dia. Like... Yeah, you can dribble. Like, yeah, you can mm. make some stuff happen. Yeah, you will probably be, like, okay-ish on defense. Um, the jump shot, there are some questions there. But, like, Lucas answered, like, all of that and more, right? The idea, it's like, no, I think that's actually, like, just, like, legitimate. Mm. Um, but, like, that's still a really good player with, like, very real potential. Um, I Like I said, he's kind of in... I don't have anyone that's, like, a in this draft as a... He's going to be a number one option. But as, like, your second or third option, like, as a career peak, I think that's in the range for Abdiya. And I'm, I'm kind of saying that knowing I'm betting on the jump shot um, going in more than it has. Again, it looked better coming out of COVID um, quarantine. Now, the other guy, Isaac Okoro um, from Auburn. I have him here in, in this grouping of guys, which I know some disagree because... He's 6'6", six, six, like 220, 225. Um, he looks like he should be playing like outside linebacker for Auburn um, 
more than being a basketball player. But I'm just I'm not saying he's going to be Jalen Brown. But you know how like the Celtics use Jalen Brown really as a four in the bubble. Mm, like yeah, yeah, it's like that was his role. Like the way he played, the stylistically, all that. He was a four. Now we know like regular season and all that. He can play like the two, three, all that. But ultimately, like when the Celtics were really rocking at their best, he was like playing the four and like being Small really ball. good at it. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I have him in this category um, for Okoro. So on offense, he wants to drive, he wants to cut, he wants to finish um, around the rim. That's his game. He'll turn down most jump shots um, if you even halfway run out at him. Like <laughs> he's like, oh, you took a step towards me. I'm going to try and dribble by you and finish at the rim, um, which is sometimes a detriment to his game because the jump shot, it doesn't look awful. It it's more. I don't think he's ever had to like rely on a jump shot, so he doesn't. Um, but dude's like a freak athlete, so he wants to dunk on everybody. Like he really is like almost like a football player who plays basketball. Some um, the jump shot's not terrible. It's really not that bad. It's catch and shoot only. There is there is no off the dribble. Um, okay. He's he's made some off the dribble this year for sure, but. NBA level, there's nothing off the dribble. Um, with that said, like I said, freakish athlete. He is a really good finisher around the rim, like both hands. And if he goes to dunk on you, and for some reason, like you were actually there and like step up, I feel pretty good about him, like kind of having some like finesse finishes around the rim. So that's like impressive to see. Um, uh, Ryan just made a face because he's watching a highlight where he did like a nice little sidestep. Like, it's one of those, he got exponentially better this year mm. like he's he's definitely like a big riser um like he was like the number 30 ish prospect coming into the like high school like not nba like high school mm. so he wasn't like the highest guy um but with auburn auburn was a very good team obviously this year he filled a role and then definitely exceeded it um with what they needed to do so on offense the last thing is he's a sneaky good passer like just hit when he drives he he's able to see the floor a bit more than you think he would um considering the fact that he turned down most jump shots and just wants to drive like he's learned how to pass out of that a bit so i've been impressed with that watching his game um throughout the year all that to be said offense is not his calling card it's defense like he he's the best perimeter defender in the draft okay and he might be the best defender period um Ooh. in the draft so that's the thing like he I, I trust him guarding one through four. And the same way, you know, like Marcus Smart can like kind of like man up with some fives. I think Okoro can man up with some fives. Mm. Like he's he's a legit dude on defense. So if you buy the jump shot getting better slash going in more, then he's like a pretty definite top six pick. If you're worried, I still think he's like a top ten pick. Um, I, I legit think he's like a difference maker on defense and will do everything else right on offense so it's not even like the al farouk Aminu type situations where it's like if you're if you don't hit your corner catch and shoot threes i don't know what you do on that end of the floor mm. like he's like no like okora would put the ball on the floor okora would get in transition okora will make like the right passes not like out of pick and roll but just like you know just seeing the floor and knowing where to pass the ball so i like okora a lot I wish the jump shot, yeah, was a little better, but at the end of the day, I I still think he warrants that top ten pick for sure. So in terms of teams looking um, for a guy like him, the Warriors would be a nice one, right? You don't have to score. Um, the Bulls, I mean, really, basically the top ten: Cavs, Hawks, 
he fits perfectly with any of those teams um, as like a, we don't need you to score. Like, yeah. we just need you to play defense and then, like, capitalize off Very of Very specific the, roles. Yeah, and then capitalize off of, like, the passes our lead guards get you. Um, the Pistons, if one of the point guards they want wasn't there by that point. The Knicks, I, I don't think the Knicks would take him, but he, like, he would fit there. Yeah. Um, the Wizards would be a good one. Again, just, like, a fifth starter. Okay. Like, next to Beal and Wall. The Suns would be a good one if you wanted to move Booker to the one just permanently. Um, that team defensively would be incredible, but I I don't think he gets out of the top ten. There, to, in my mind, there's no way unless like teams brought him in for workouts and he didn't hit anything. Mm-hmm. But I haven't heard that, so I feel really good about Okoro translating to the NBA. He's got an NBA body, and I think strength is like a very underrated aspect of the draft. And I know he's not going to get bullied at the NBA level. Like I just I'm pretty confident that. Um, Moving forward with Isaac Okoro, he's of this group. He's probably like my favorite guy out of it, and yes. I li- and I like Abdia, but Okoro's kind of like the guy. The like, like for sure. Yeah, like I know he's still going to be an NBA in ten years. Like you could put him on the floor. Yeah, he falls into that category yeah. of like tomorrow he could step on an NBA yes. floor and give you ten good minutes. Yeah, for sure. Nice. So, question: If Golden State wants to trade back from number two, but still want to pick one of these two guys, how far do they go back? Or how far can they go back? Yeah. So like with Golden State, I don't I really don't think they're drafting like the guard of the future. And then it's really do they want Wiseman or not? And if they're like we don't feel the need to draft Wiseman and so then you pick a wing. That's what you do. Um I think they can move back to four because if Chicago's trading up, it's probably like for someone else. Like Chicago's not trading up to get one of these guys. Um so Four would be pretty safe if you want to pick, want to have your pick of either one. But if you trade back to five with like Cleveland, you would get one of them. You may not get, sure. your, you may not get your pick of them, but you would get one of them. Um, beyond that, you get a little risky with it, like with Atlanta and stuff. Atlanta's a weird team in the in the top ten though because they've drafted a ton of guys the last couple years, and so I have no idea what they're doing. So that's why I wouldn't want to risk like getting behind Atlanta. Um, but I think if you keep it in the top five, like Golden State, maybe get a player and that number four or five pick because of a team moving up, you would mm. be fine with that. Like I know one thrown a lot around a lot is like if Charlotte, again, they want James Wiseman. We all know they do. If they'd move up a spot and give you like Miles Bridges just to bump back down to three, I think Golden State would do that and still get their guy, whoever that guy is out of this too. And so if you could walk away from this draft with Avdia and Miles Bridges, if you're Golden State, for basically nothing. That's, I, pretty, that's yeah. pretty good, rather than just getting like one of them um, if you don't love Wiseman. Yeah. I mean, or take your Coro and maybe feel like you have your Draymond Green. Green of the future. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a really interesting one. Um, it's, it's really up to Golden State. Like, what's their timeline? Yeah. And, like, what ultimately do they want? So, Are they still trying to win this year, essentially? Or? Yeah. Which yeah. I think they should be. They yeah. did a nice job last year. They got under the tax line. Yeah. So they're not in the repeater tax um, this year. So you can make some moves for sure and like really go for it this year. But I don't know. That's the thing with like them and, like I said, Atlanta. Who knows what they're doing in the draft? I don't. I really have no idea. Um, and these two forwards might be options for both. Might be options for neither. I really don't know. <laughs> nice. So moving on to tier two through four, we're just combining. Yeah. There's not many guys in this mm. grouping. So, your note here for me is you're BSing if you act like you know what's happening here. I 
don't. I really, and I, that's for me too. I have no idea. Um, there's four guys in this group. Um, if oh you told me any of them ended up out of the league very soon, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me one of them like was a star, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. So it's just a weird group of guys. So we got Patrick Williams. I'm pretty confident that you pronounced that right. I'm skipping the next one (laughs) because I have zero confidence in pronouncing that one. Jalen McDaniels and Jordan Noir. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, So the one he skipped, Alexi Pokusevsky. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have Um, gotten that one. He just goes by Poku. Okay, I can call him Poku. I can get away Um, with that. So Patrick Williams uh, out of Florida State, Pokusevsky out of Greece, and then uh, McDaniels out of Washington, and Nora um, out of Louisville. So um, we'll run through these a bit quicker, just because, like I said, I really don't know what, what's going on with any of these guys. So one of these guys is going to have a draft workout, and a team's going to be blown away and draft him way too high. Mm. I just know it. Um, so Williams, he is the stereotypical Florida State guy. Like, he's like 6'8", 225, like, just one of those, like, dudes who looks like a freak. Um, long athletic defender. Again, could have guessed that. Uh, he hit some open shots. Like, the shot doesn't look bad, so that's encouraging. Um, you're betting on the upside. Like, okay. you're really betting on the defense, like, being, like, elite lockdown, which I wouldn't be shocked if that happened, but you're really betting on it. You're betting on hitting open shots. He's not like Isaac, like Jonathan Isaac, who's, like, more of a five. Williams really is more like a three, four. Okay. Um, in my opinion. So... I think my issue with him is I'm not sure he can dribble or pass. Um, <laughs> Those are issues, yeah. <laughs> but if he's the best, like if he ends up making an all-defensive team in his career once, twice, even three times, like I'm not shocked by that. Mm. So, you know, and if he can hit corner threes, then like he just sounds like a fantastic role player. Now, if he ends up, he can dribble a bit more, like and he just wasn't asked to at Florida State because Florida State doesn't ask anyone to dribble um that'd be a thing also with florida state they don't play anyone more than like 18 minutes a game so it's like i don't have as much to watch with patrick williams especially he wasn't again kind of like an okoro he wasn't like a top 10 recruit Mm. so it's like Mm. he was never like that guy to watch in high school either so i don't feel like anyone has a great amount of film on him of like a great understanding of what his game is um especially how does that translate to the next level so teams for him Again, if he kills a workout for, like, the Hawks or Pistons, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes that high, which is, like, 6 and 7. Um, I think more realistically, he's in that, like, Wizards to Trailblazers range of, like, 9 to 16. Um, the Wizards' sons fit well with him. The Spurs the Spurs are, like, a team. Again, there's a lot of guys there for the Spurs I could definitely see. Um, he fits the Celtics if they wanted a project. Mm. Um Again, the Trailblazers, if they wanted a project, the the Magic, I guess, <laughs> if they wanted another Florida State project, oh, um, I guess it worked out once. But a lot more of like that late lottery is where he's should be realistically looking to go. But again, if he kills a workout, I'm not surprised if he goes higher than that. Um, Poku, this is the weirdest dude. So <laughs> straight up, like legit seven feet tall, legit oh, 200 pounds. Um, so it looks weird. He legitimately plays like a guard, though. Like, and he dribbles the ball. He brings the ball up. He does like crossover moves and stuff. He like runs the pick and roll. 
it's the weirdest thing to watch him play basketball. Also, he played in the Greek B League. Um, so that's like another thing that's like the same league Giannis played in um, when he was coming out. And so Poku, he he played one game up for Olympiakos this year, and he played like two minutes. That's it. it they like they intentionally hid him um, in their B division because they didn't want to lose him. So the thing is with Poku is obviously he's huge. He's got like a seven three wingspan. Um, the question is like, does it all translate to the NBA or is this like a European player and Mm -hmm. solely a European player? And like, I definitely get that, but like he thinks he can shoot. And I, the thing is it goes in a lot in the Greek B league. I don't know if it goes in like you just saw him like make that pass. They're like watching that highlight. Like he legit thinks he's a point guard and at the NBA, he's not a point guard, but as like a secondary creator and stuff like it's cool like he he's so tall he sees things well i'll give him that much like he's got vision but it's like i don't know what all translates to the nba and he's so skinny like i talked about the coro like strength is such an underrated part of the game poku is not strong mm-hmm. right because he's seven foot 200 pounds but he blocks a lot of shots because he's so long um as a defender like I don't trust him on the perimeter, but if he's just kind of gives a lot of space and then gets a hand up, I don't know. It kind of works. It's weird. Like you legitimately almost have to think about him more as a guard wing. Who's just really tall. Mm. And it's just how many of those guys work in the NBA? Yeah. Not many, not many. And he's not like Kevin Durant. Like he's not that level of shooter. He thinks he is, but he's not. Um, I just, I struggle with him. He's another guy that like, if it works, you know, we're all going to look back and be like, why did, why did he go so low? But I'm, I'm legit scared. Like he's not in the NBA by the end of his rookie deal. So yeah, it's just one of those, like if you're betting on him, you probably want to leave him overseas for a year or two and then bring him over. But I don't know if you're one of those teams, like I said, just wanting to take a swing. I, this might be your dude, especially, especially if you can get him in for a workout. I'm watching highlights of this, and I'm not going to lie. It looks like a local YMCA. Like, the, yeah. some of the stuff that's I mean, going on. The Greek B division is, like, nothing, like, spectacular, obviously. Um, it's it's a tough spot, like, to draft him. Like, and there's no way many teams even have seen him live, even. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think if he kills a workout for, like, the Pistons, they could, like, just, like screw it we're taking a swing on this guy yeah but like realistically i mean if you told me he went like 10 to the suns because they're like we're just gonna let you chill for a couple years i think that's that's realistic if you told me he slips all the way down to like utah in the mid-20s i'd be like yeah that that sounds right because no one has any faith in what this guy's going to be you think Um, for sure first round pick though i think so i this year yeah if it was like previous year i mean maybe more into the first but you know, anywhere in that, like, Heat, Blazers, Magic, mm. Celtics even. Like, if he goes somewhere in there, I'm not shocked. I don't know if I love it, but I'm not shocked by it either. I just, I have no idea what to do with him. I just can tell he's a seven-foot guy who can definitely dribble and pass and kind of shoot. So, you know, take a chance. If you if you think this guy just hasn't had good coaching, like, in development because he's playing the Greek B-League, then okay. Yeah. A bet on yourself bet on your staff but i i wouldn't draft him mm. i can't i mm. you know if he's there at the end of the first sure but like i can't draft him inside the top 20 but that's just me um another guy similar but he played in the united states um mcdaniels coming out of washington 
again, another skinny, tall forward, but he's kind of more a guard wing type. Um, coming out of high school, he was like a legit top five prospect, though. Like, he was like a guy. Um, and a dude who, I coming into the year, I thought was going to be like a top 10 pick, like for sure. Played like a couple games early, and I was like, ah, oh, yep. And then it just fell off a cliff at Washington. And part of me is like, is that Washington? Is it him? It's a little bit of both. He's like 6'9", 6'10", but he's closer to 180, 185. Um, he says he's bulked up to closer to 200, but I'm like, you, oh, you're only up to 200 still. That's not good either. Yeah. Um, I think what I struggle with is he he looks like he can shoot. He he can drive. He's not as good of a passer as like Poku. Um, but like as a self creator, it's one thing. It's it's similar to the Michael Porter conversation of like is there more here than what we saw with Porter is more injury related. Um, but with McDaniels, it's like, if we just get him in a good situation with a good development, is he going to be something? Um, and then Washington, again, they play that zone. So it's like, can he defend? I don't really know. Cause even in high school, AAU, he was just so long and athletic. Like it didn't matter if he could defend or not, he could make up for it. And he scored like 30 points a game. So like, again, who cares if you can defend <laughs> or not? Um, and then NBA it matters. So, He's a guy that I I think again you take a shot on because positionally yeah. and the skill set like it's just valuable. It is, but there's there's a real chance he's out of the league by the end of his rookie deal. And I and I like the kid obviously. Like I had him as one of my favorite prospects coming into the year. It's like top five, top ten. But I've seen what I've seen, which was like low efficiency. Like his overall field goal percentage at Washington was like legit forty percent. Oof. Now, three-point percentage was, like, low-mid-30s. Low okay. So it's, like, okay. And then free throws was, like, mid-70s. Yeah. So it's, like, you can you can shoot. It's more shot selection and then, like, consistency with, like, your technique. Like, when it looks good and it's clean and it's coming out as catch-and-shoot, it looks fine. It's just, like, he probably he was trying to do too much. And Washington mm-hmm. needed him to do too much. And it just didn't work. And Washington also then eventually realized, we're just going to post up our center. And it was their most effective offense. So it's like they just started playing through him more, and which was not McDaniels. So when he did get the ball, he's like, I'm shooting. And for an 18, 19-year-old kid, well, you're probably, unless you are like legit, you know, a top 10 pick, it's just, it's not going to look good. Mm. He's a guy I've struggled with. You know, I've had him as low as like 35. But then it's like I went back and watched. It's like there's a lot here. And just positionally, again, it's valuable to try and take a shot. If he if he went as high as like late lottery like Kings Celtics I wouldn't be shocked. I think I like him more in like that seventeen Wolves through like the Jazz category more like Mavs Heat. I think the Heat would be a great spot for him. Um, get him to put on some weight and bulk up and all. But again, he kills a workout. All of a sudden, he's going ten spots higher. Yeah, and it's just one of those like teams might want to take a swing on him. Yeah, and the last sure. one's Nora. Um, the opposite he's like a thick combo forward <laughs> out of uh louisville he's like six seven like two twenty two thirty um he's played like three years at louisville can definitely shoot um he can shoot a bit off movement too which is like a, a nice skill set he doesn't have like the best vert but he definitely like will try and like finish inside like he's not scared of that um he's been their best player for a couple years and louisville's been really good so i think there's i i do put some stock in that too so i think he's a decent on and off ball defender 
I think he can shoot at the NBA level, like legit, like college was like 40-ish percent. So I think he can he can shoot high 30s in the NBA level. And I think he projects more as a role player. But, you know, at, there comes a point where it's like, I'll just take that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll just take him. He's also a strong rebounder. Averaged like almost eight rebounds a game each of the last two years. So I, I think he's just a guy, he's a winner. You know, so, and again, in that Wolves, like, in the, like, 17, all the way down to, like, the Lakers, any, basically a team in there, and, and if you need someone at that position, he's, a, like, the safest of all these guys. Now, does he have the ceiling of them? No, he doesn't. But, you know, if the 76ers, like, we just need another wing. If the Bucks are, like, we need another strong wing. If the Celtics would, like, the 26 pick, like, let's get rid of Shimmy. Yeah. You know, all those, like... That's a good pick. Even like as high as like the Heat or Nets at like nineteen twenty is like a good pick for him. And some people have him as like more of that early second. I think that's fine also as like a like an idea. But again, it's just a position of need mm. across the league. So that's why I think he'll go higher than that. I like him a lot. I I don't know if I love that I have Poku and McDaniel's above him and my board, but at some level in the draft, you got to take shots, too. Yeah. So, it's like the weird balance of that. Gotcha. So, nice. that's that's all we went for for the draft this week. Again, not a lot of prospects at this position for first-round grades. Like, there's a few second-round guys and undrafted guys, but I don't feel the need to do them. We're not going top 60 like no, you no, have. No, 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 no. Oh. On your big, uh, you have, like, 80 guys, I feel like, on your big board the last time I checked. And I was like, oh, my God. 110. <laughs> you, oh, my God. Um, Holy. I, I'm, in, I'm in the weeds, y'all. I'm in the weeds. Um, oh and it's legit ranked 1 to 110. Um, it's, like, as but, bad as, as I was getting with NBA Finals game going back and watching <laughs> NBA so Finals during quarantine. I've also, like, tried to, like, watch international stuff mm. so like there's there's like That's, 20 some odd international yeah. guys that like a lot of people haven't heard of yeah but it's like but most of them are undrafted types or like fringy um second round types but there are a lot of college players in this draft too and like legitimately if you were drafting at like 45 i think you feel fine about that in this draft you know some drafts it's like once you get past the first no one wants to pick in this draft like if you were drafting in 31 to 47 like you're like oh that's not a bad pick still like that's an nba role player in this draft there's just not top end stars in this draft there's not a lot of guys who you love taking in the first round mm. it's just a difference in this year's draft compared to previous ones so because we didn't have a lot to talk about tonight in terms of prospects like we're at minute 50 right now um whereas like the other day by the end of prospects we were at like 120 yeah um you know philly got us thinking it did <laughs> you know a uh, daryl moray and uh Doc and all that, you know. Let, let's let's get some trades. Let's fire up the trade machine. <laughs> We're, we've gotten too bored here. There's not been any trades since February. We gotta yeah. gotta start stirring up the pot well, and sooner if, rather than later. You if know? anyone's going to, I mean, Philly's got to be like the the betting favorite, right, to make a deal. Yeah, to like or put deals. themselves. Yeah, for sure. So what are our what are our restrictions here, Matt? Cause, so because you laid out the law here. So. Um, I think we went with Ben and Joel are basically untouchable because they're going to see realistically, yeah. they're going to yeah. see it. Everyone else does on the table. We, we did allow one trade each that's Embiid or Simmons because you know, why not? But realistically it's more of the Richardson's 
Horfords, um, Harris types that are going to get moved because Daryl Morey has no inclination to keep non-stars that are on bad deals. Yeah, like that's the thing with Morey; he loves stars. Yeah, like, that's that's what he wants ultimately. Right, it's just like star players, and then how can we find role players that work for them? That's what he wants to do. He's always done it that way in, it, in Houston. You know, it makes logical sense. Don't yeah. overpay guys for things they can't do. So, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of those guys on the Philly yeah. roster. I can't think, oh, right, he oh. has a lot of those guys. So, you know, that's why some of these trades are hard, too. It's because, like, you have no middling contracts besides Josh Richardson. Um, and his value is probably lower significantly this year than it was last year. So we'll kind of alternate how we go through this. Um we got three trades each. Three I'll, each. I'll go first. Yeah. Since you've been going through draft stuff. So I got this one because I just, I don't know. Like, Buddy Heald is the most disgruntled player, I think, reported. Yeah, for in sure. In a while. So I got Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes for Al Horford. And then Philly's sending the Kings a lottery protected first in 2021. And uh, the new york knicks second round pick so it's essentially a first round pick. yeah um so essentially the kings are getting two two picks for taking on that al horford contract yeah which isn't a bad deal and they get off of buddy healed who for them just isn't working yeah but for also on the flip side of that for the kings you kind of get like a stable center like you've yeah. been looking for that since guy. they refuse to play bagley at the five yeah here's like, the five this is the idea that bagley's gonna be a four yeah um in whatever system they're playing this is just gonna be interesting i i like this trade uh for philly especially because you get that shooter that guy who can run around should be a shooter (laughs) run around catch ball shoot um i think would work well the jj role yeah i think you could work really well with ben and joel separately yeah um and even if this idea of if you end up having to stick with Tobias, I think could help Tobias some as well. Yeah. Um, and, and it ultimately gets Al Horford out of there, which is a weird fit anyway. Yeah. Um, and you're not having to give up a ton. Like, you're essentially giving up two picks. Yeah. Which, I mean, Daryl obviously isn't afraid to trade picks. So, you know, he'll do I mean, it. what was the Jimmy Butler thing? Like, nine picks he was willing yeah. to give up or whatever. Ridiculous. Um. So, yeah, like, I mean, if you're looking to start fresh, I think this is a pretty low-hanging fruit. Um, most people have talked about this trade, so we won't spend too much time on it. But I, I think it makes a lot of sense and could be very likely done pretty quickly. Not that it's the meat of the trade, but also, like, Rashawn Holmes going as, like, a backup center there. Yeah, um, Rashawn Holmes is a good player. Yeah, so, like, if Joel needs to take 20 games off for whether it's legit no, or no, not. No, no, no. When he takes 20 games off. You have a center that's not Norvell Pell. <laughs> yeah. Um, which Norvell Pell's fine as your third center. But uh, So Rashawn Holmes is a nice player there. And I, I like this deal. You know, the you're right. The healed Horford deal in theory has been thrown out a lot. I like the, the completeness of the Holmes and the two picks. Because Holmes is a guy, like, teams are going to want for sure because he's on a good deal. Yeah, but, he's not expensive. But, um... The Kings could, you know, try and keep him, but at the same time, this Buddy Heald situation is pretty much a disaster there. So let's just help both teams get out of a disaster situation that they created. So idea, when you started talking about backup centers, you already have backup center. His name's Ben Simmons. <laughs> so I I heard someone talking, like, can the can should Philly play him more as, like, the small ball center when Joel goes out? Whether it's 
you know, for a game or for like, you know, the 10 minutes or whatever he sits out. And someone's like, is he one of the best backup centers or small ball centers in the league, even though he's never really done it before? Yes, the answer and, is yes. And in my mind, I was like, are we sure he's not the best small ball center in the league, even though he's never done it before? The answer is yes to all of the above. I think so. <laughs> he can defend. He's one of the best defenders, period, in the league. Yeah, he is. He can rebound. He can do everything you need. He's essentially like a beefed-up Draymond Green, right? Yeah. No, he's the bigger, taller, better version of Draymond Green. Like, what are we What are we debating about here? There's just play him at center. <laughs> like, play him as backup center. Like, it's not that like, Yeah. If we could figure that out. Anyways, Rashawn Holmes could be a nice like option, though, as a, as a yeah. tertiary it's center, like whatever you want to call it. It's like a sneaky good part of the trade that like you would look back on and be like, oh, wow, I can't believe they got Rashawn Holmes in that deal. Yeah. Um, but again, I like it. I think I like it for both sides. Part of the Kings' bet on this is that Horford is not as bad as he was in Philly this year. Which, I mean, it, yeah, he's not that bad. But as a Boston fan that watched him his last year in Boston something's it, this is a trend that he was going down like th- like this is not totally unprecedented it's not that bad like what it showed but it's not you know five times better than this either i think the other part of the kings what they talked themselves into with this deal is that they're off money sooner yeah because they like the uh heel deal that they he signed last year doesn't kick in until this year yeah and it's like four years it's four years from now Horford only has three years left on his deal, so you're getting off yeah. a year and some money. Quicker. And the last year is only half guaranteed. Yeah, because so, all those incentives, yeah. it's like 16 mil or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so you can bring back Bogdanovich, who's a RFA for them this year also. Yeah. And then if you do bring him back, you have a clear starting lineup now. There's no more debating who's in, who's out. It's Fox, Bogdanovich, Barnes, Bagley, Horford. Yeah. It's very clear. It's very set. There's no debating it anymore. And then role players, which... I'm not saying that's a playoff team in the West, but again, you're hopefully in that same spot issue where this year with like a legit shot at it though. Um, moving forward and like maybe just fixing the locker room helps push you closer to that eight seed. Yeah, for sure. So I'll go and throw out my Kings one also. Um, and, and again, it was sending Al Horford there. Uh, I had Al Horford and a 2022 lottery protected first mm. so um a little more protections on it but um going to sacramento because i'm not asking for quite as much i don't think but for namaji bielitsa the guy who signed with philly and then backed out of it two years ago <laughs> um and Corey joseph so the idea behind mine is so yeah you're having to attach a pick to horford you've you've just got to attach yeah. at least one the contract's so bad yeah um for for what he's giving you especially, yeah. and then for uh, what Philly's bringing in of Bielitsa and Joseph, the reason they were trying to bring in Bielitsa in the first place is you're a sh- legit stretch four, like mm. you can really shoot the ball. Yeah, and the problem ultimately with the Philly deal two years ago was that they were offering him one year. Sacramento offered him three. So he gets his money and yeah. still gets played. So he got, it's like he got paid a bit less per year to go to Sacramento, but it was a legit three-year, $21 million deal. Whereas with Philly, I think I'm remembering it like one for like eight and a half. Mm. So it's like, he's like, I'd rather just go to Europe and like secure like where my family is for a few years and like not move around a ton. And Sacramento and their highly European front office was like, hey, let's just do it here. 
and we'll give you a multi-year deal. And so he said, okay. Um, and I don't blame him for doing that at the time either, but in this situation, it's like you fit better. Well, I you should fit in Sacramento, but they won't play Bagley at five. Anyway, um, so Bielitsa, you go and you might start for Philly. Um, at worst, you're the sixth man there. And then Corey Joseph, again, wouldn't be shocked if he started for them just because they need someone who can actually play point. Um, but also, he fits the defensive idea that Philly wants. And, like, if you don't ask Corey Joseph to do too much besides, like, spot up on the offensive end and, like, play in transition, he's fine. So, you know what? It's less long-term committed money because I think each of them have, like, two years left or maybe Bielitz has got a year and Joseph has two. It's really not that bad. Whatever it is, it's really not that bad. So, I like that for Philly. Like, it fits. And then the same idea of the Horford thing in Sacramento um, that we already talked about. And then the first... You know, it's yeah, it's a bit down the line, but for for uh, Philly, I think they would want to keep open trading that twenty twenty one first if they needed it for a bigger fish or something. But you know, I I still think like we've we've said, you've got to attach some sort of pick to Horford, and if a team begs you for twenty twenty one, you know, you might just ultimately give it. Yeah, and just move on. I like the idea of kind of kicking the can down a little bit more than mine because like ideally this team like if i'm sitting in gm spot or vice president spot daryl mori spot I'm, whatever his position is again these <laughs> teams just make, they just operations. they just make up titles yeah like they really do bizarre basketball yeah. in philadelphia i i'm really i really think that like i would be wanting to send picks out sooner rather than later like i'm not trying to send out like a 2025 no. draft pick because if I need to blow this thing up in about a year and a half. Like, you want those draft picks yeah. down the road. Um, but, I mean, that 2021 draft is still supposed to be good, like yeah. you said. So, it's kind of rough. Um, but I, You're doing this because you think you're picking at, like, somewhere 30. between, yeah, 26 and 30. Yeah. So, you're like, it doesn't you, really matter. You're telling yourself, I'm drafting at 30 or else I don't have a job. That's, I mean, that's kind of what it is, yeah. right? Which is not the worst mindset to have, especially in Philly, where if you can get the 76ers to win, like, he's going down in Philly lore there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Untouchable territory, really. Yeah. Um, I like the Corey Joseph idea. Sneaky good player. Yeah, right? Like, a guy, he's, like, paid $12 million, and if, like, you want to trade him later, you can trade him. Yeah. Super, super sneaky guy. My guy, my next trade... Um, my ne- next guys is just I I hate myself for putting this out in the ether and talking about this publicly, but here's my trade. Ready for this, Matt? Let's go. Terry Rozier and Cody Zeller from the Hornets to Philadelphia for Tobias Harris and a future pick swap. Man, the Rozier idea is a good idea. I like the Rozier idea one. Because I still think he has beef with Boston. Yeah. And, and you tell him coming in, like, yeah, we won't be. We're Boston. literally doing this to beat Boston. Yeah. We're, we're all in on beating this team, getting past this team. But also, you need a starting point guard. And I think yeah. Rogier, as like a tertiary ball handler, could be that for you. You just can't ask him to do too much. Right. That's like, when your expe- like, expectations like, have to be pretty yeah. like, calm with this guy. Yeah. Like, you can't just expect, like, I don't know, Josh. I I don't know what the like Chris Paul level play from yeah. Terry Rozier. Yeah. That's like, not, there's not a very expected. clear line of like efficiency. Like, 
of if you do too much, this isn't going to go well. Like it's a very clear line with him. But if you ask him to kind of more spot up, run secondary actions, like be a good defender mm. and just like fill a very clear but high needed role, I think he embraces it. It's like the situation in Boston where it's like he he felt kind of disrespected to be honest. Like he's like when I've gone in, I've done well, so let me do more. And they're like, no. Yeah. Look out who else we have. Yeah. Um, and then Charlotte, it's like, they asked him to do too much. And ultimately, it's like, oh, Devontae Graham's better. Um, <laughs> but, like, in Philly, it's like, there's a clear pecking order here. But, like, we still need you to be, like, one of our top four guys. Yeah. And I think, like, that's probably the nicer middle ground with Terry Rozier. It's like, Boston, he was too low on the totem pole. Charlotte, he was too high. Here's somewhere in the middle, but it's an area of need. And so it works. It's, man, I, getting Charlotte to take on <laughs> Tobias Harris is tough. $34 million for the next, over the next four years. Yeah. Is rough. Like $34 million. I think it's ascending too. Over the next four years is, is going to be tough. It ends up being $150 million. $155, right? Something like that. It's just like... I mean, you have. He's, we all know he's not worth it. We we all know that. Everyone in the league knows he's not worth it. Yeah. It's just like, what if you're Charlotte? I guess like, are you getting anyone better in free agency than Tobias Harris? The answer is no. Probably, right? Yeah, probably not. Right. And they're even have they're one of the teams with like cap space this year, and still like, if you're looking for a guy like that, there's not anyone out there really. It gets you closer to making the playoffs. Whether that's yeah. a good or bad thing for Charlotte. To get that's beat up by Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. That's up to you. Like, I'll leave that up to you. I think it's a bad thing. If I were the Hornets, I would say no to this. I think I would too. I think you could still trade Rozier for like a pretty good something and not have to take on the contract of Tobias Harris while getting someone play-wise similar to Tobias Harris. Yeah, for sure. Like, there's guys who could probably fill that role for Philly even, like a Derrick Rose type, but then, like, who are you trading out yeah. for Philly? Again, That's the, that. the money's hard there. The, the Millie's money's really hard there. Um, I, if I'm Terry Rozier, I'm even skeptical about going into that Philly lo- ro- locker room. Yeah. Um, because even the fit is still dicey. This idea is that you're unable to move off of Horford, so you're keeping Horford. Yeah. Which then it's still, like... Okay, so you're playing Rogier, a mixture of Rogier, Richardson, Simmons, and Horford, and Bean. That's tough. It's not. Yeah, it's still it's not still great. great. Um, and it's not. I don't think how Doc will want to play either. No, I mean, I'll, like even if you start Thibel and sit Horford like in the starting lineup, the shooting there is still tough. Yeah, you're with exactly- Thibel, Simmons, and honestly Embiid. So. Then you're asking Rogier to do too much again. Yeah, on the offensive end. So that that's right. That's that's tough then. I don't know. And maybe your moves in tandem kind of work. But, yeah, maybe. But still, it, it's it's hard um, with Philly just because of the players they have on the court, like we've talked about. My my second one, and again, this is, it feels a little too savvy for Philly, but... Josh Richardson um, goes to Memphis uh, straight up for Tyus Jones and Grayson Allen. 
So this goes back to the idea of get yourself a guard who knows what they're doing. So Tyus Jones. Knows right? what he's doing. I, uh, Tyus Jones is drastically underrated in the league. Yeah. Like making like eight mil, seven and a half, something like Minnesota that. Minnesota disrespected him. Yeah, I know. time there. Um, he would be really helpful there right now. And then with Memphis, like you found your point guard of the future in Jaw. Like that's not Tyus's fault. Um, I they can play together some, but um, with Tyus, I think again, just get him in a situation where like he's not asked to do a ton. Just like run your offense, spot up, play good defense, and just kind of like, be a good team guy. Again, if he can fill the role in Philly, I think it's nice. With the Rozier bit, even like, would you have to ask him to do too much at times? Maybe. Um, but I, I like him in a vacuum for mm-hmm. them. And then Grayson Allen's part of that's just making the money work, but also like taking a flyer on a guy because like the Zaire Smith like experiment hasn't worked. I'm not. I'm he hasn't not a played. No, no, yeah. Um, I and Shake Milton, I like him, but it, to a point. Like we're not asking a guy again to do too, too much. much. You're yeah. expecting he's, too much. Out he's of not him. a 25 minute a game guy. Nah. Um, I'm I'm not a Thibault guy. Philly kind of is, but even you saw at the end of the year, like they really even started to not play him at all. So, you know, just take another swing on a on a wing. Corkmaz, there's that weird dynamic there. So take a swing on Grayson Allen. See what happens. He feels very Phillyish with like the dumb stuff he does. Um, and for Memphis, you're getting Josh Richardson, someone that's a defender next to Jaw. I was about to say, I feel re- I, as Memphis, I would feel really good about this because, yeah. like, it bolsters your starting lineup after kind of faltering towards the end yeah. of the year there. And you don't feel bad about like what you're losing. Yeah. Um, so it's like if you could bring in something like Jaw Richardson, Brooks, and then um, you still got Triple J. You got Valanciunas, Winslow. Um. Brandon Clark was a really good rookie, yeah. um, obviously. So you got D'Anthony Melton. So it's like you've got some stuff here yeah. in Memphis there, um, even when you lose both of those guys. And for Josh Richardson, it's kind of that opportunity to kind of put some respect back on your name and uh, going into the last year of your deal. And if it doesn't work out great, but Memphis still likes him, Memphis will give him an extension because they're not getting many free agents better than him. So that could work out for both sides long-term also. But I like it for this year, too. Again, maybe helps Memphis get over the top. And into when I say over the top, into like the 7-8 spot. Love it. So I'm moving into my nuclear. Yeah, we, each get, we each get trade. one. <laughs> so I went with Ben Simmons' trade. Are you ready for this? I don't know if I have an option to be. <laughs> James Harden to Philadelphia re- reuniting with Daryl Morey. For Ben that's, Simmons. That's the ultimate slap in the face to like, and Josh Simon Richardson. Petita. And then Philly sending a 2021 first round pick, that 2020 first round pick to, to Houston. Again, uh, that's it. It doesn't have to be the 2020 first round pick. Whatever. Again, I'm just. Future like, pick. Future pick. Uh, first round pick. Let's just say it at that. Yeah. Houston, you have your choice because yeah. obviously you're selling it's... the better player here. So, I. Uh, this is a huge slap in the face to Tillman Fertitta 
because it's like I, I just don't want to be in Houston and I'm also taking your best player <laughs> yeah right like it's really just like screw you I really just hate it here um it's like an awful place to work this so, is this is Daryl Morey going to the NBA owners and being like who wants to write me a blank check to win a championship yeah. for you right this is it's it's pretty ridiculous um also what would be the timeline on James Harden Joel and B getting in a fight in the locker room like what, what? How many weeks are we saying? Like, what's the week over under on that? Like two and a half. I would say it's not making it out of the first month. <laughs> so I was thinking two and a half or three and a half. Uh, that yeah, man. Like who's not getting the ball enough? That that whole deal. That's the. Let's assume this is like semi realistic for a moment. Um, James Harden going to Philly. This is like fantasy football yeah, type of trades. Right. Like, this isn't gonna happen. I don't, and I don't like both know. sides are like, we really want to do this, and the commissioners like. I can't let this go through, can I? Um, James Harden there. I mean, there's there's no longer the conversation of our star can't shoot. That, that's that's for sure. Um, but, th- I mean, this is the old formula, right? Like a guard and a center. Yeah. I mean, it's what Maury's always tried to do in Houston. Yeah. It's just it never worked. But it's because you can never get a talent of Joel Embiid that worked in Houston. So, I don't hate it. I I don't love giving up on Simmons. I feel that's probably I, I, my biggest hang up with this more than anything else. Uh, also, like this is my hang up too is like if I'm trading one of the two, I'm trading Joel. Yeah, and even though I'm trading Ben in this situation, like if I'm trying to win now, like right now, like this move is what I would call first done, right? But probably. if I'm if I'm if I'm building a team and trying to think of tomorrow and. 2026 or whatever year that is um i like i like i'm trading joel like that's 100 percent what yeah. i'm doing i think ben is a unique player but again like i think james harden is a, essentially a multi mvp candidate every year like always gonna yeah. be an mvp talk um He's a walking bucket. Like he's, yeah. I think that's been over. That phrase has been used too much. Like this dude can score, he's but he probably, really can. I like he's just gonna score whenever, wherever he wants. And paired with guy like Joel Embiid, like it's just a scary thought. Like it's kind of like a lesser LeBron James, Anthony Davis, modern day Shaq, yeah. Kobe, whatever you want to phrase that as. I would like this for Philadelphia. If I'm Houston, I hang up the phone as immediately immediately when I hear this. I'm not trading James Harden for a guy who can't shoot out. Well, you'd have to move feet. Westbrook too. Yeah, this if, yeah if this uh, this idea in Houston is like blowing the whole thing up, right? Yeah, like, like you, restarting the team basically. Yeah, essentially you're just in asset recovery mode. Um, but I think it's a fan- fun fantasy basketball football trade, two K type of trade where it's just these two stars superstars for each other and i think this would be the most like dramatic nba thing that could happen oh a hundred percent but hey go ahead and if you're houston go ahead and trade russell westbrook to the knicks like you're going to and um get (laughs) not if sam presti can get there first you know i i i don't put anything past the russell westbrook trade machine ideas like anything's on the table with him like i don't know if it's a good value or bad value whether James Harden's moved or not. In this fantasy situation, he is. But even if he's not in real life, I'd, anything's on the table there. Um, I, man, it feels like a lot to give to, for Philly also. 
But again, I guess it goes back to what's your timeline? Yeah, like, like if the owner's like, yeah, you have a five-year contract. Granted, I'm going to pay out three years of that if I have to. Yeah. So you really have two seasons to really try to win. and So you don't have a year or so to just watch and see this is a dynamic work. Yeah. Like, it's no, it is what it is. Yeah. We, we, it is what we all know it is already, but, you know, Philly's going to try and play it out as it is what it is. Um, I get it. I mean, you're right. I probably hang up the few hang up the phone if i'm houston and just try and move the westbrook thing yeah but ben simmons is enticing i i like simmons i i hate that he can't shoot i hate that he won't shoot but if you're building a team long term it's simmons is the guy to build around so then in my my fantasy trade i i keep simmons if i'm philly um and so i'm trading joel and zaire smith just help the money work to brooklyn because why not god. just oh god. why not for karis spencer dinwiddie and jared allen i'm just going i'm fully just going there um speaking on this from the brooklyn side kyrie irving kevin durant joel Embiid, hook it up just in the veins <laughs> Steve that, Nash, they get, you're not the head coach anymore. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> there, there's be, just no way you can handle all that. That would be the one of the wildest things. Like, that... You, you gotta have, like, a permanent camera on that team at all that, times. That's not an NBA team anymore. That's a, TV, a, a reality TV show. Um, it would blow up. And like social media, like we talk about, like melting Twitter. That God, that would melt Twitter every time after a press conference because Joel would say something like, "I feel like I need more touches." Kyrie would make some mention of the world being flat, and Kevin Durant would talk about the Zen Master or some stupid crap like that, and how Oklahoma City wasn't a good fit for him because he just needs to wedge in shots. He keeps coming back to that. Um, and then there would be a podcast on some boardroom or something like that about how they're actually all best friends and yeah, like that's how that would go. And then they would get bounced because they're the sixth seed and they would get bounced out of the heat and Jimmy Butler would just live inside of Joel Embiid's head part 500. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, like probably it's like, I know this would never happen at the same time, you know, Durant Embiid Irving, like their contracts all kind of expire at the same time, so it's like you got three years. If it goes bad, like it's going bad pretty quick, but you're off of it pretty quick too. Yeah. So it, and then there's still like pieces to that team in Brooklyn. You still have like Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan can be like be the permanent backup now. Okay, Jesus. like that's defined. You saw like Garrett Temple, um, Kurooks is is a guy there. Like there's you'll still have your draft pick at 19. Like you can have, you can field a nice-ish team. You can bring back Joe Harris, mm. um, because you you have bird rights there. So all of a sudden, it's like, well, from a team building perspective, this kind of works. It's it's a hundred percent the personality thing there. Yeah, like does it work? Or it's not? the thing outside of basketball that does this team win a championship because the talent's there. Obviously, obviously the talent be there at that point. Like it's literally like you have a guard wing big option. Like, whatever the other team you're playing is bad at, you've got the advantage then. Um, it's just one of those... I mean, it's 2K stuff here. But <laughs> this like the, is like if a 10-year-old took over a 
2K team set it on rookie difficulty trade. And but the like, thing yeah. is, like, the money works perfectly in this deal. Yeah. Like, it's, I, I feel like for Philly, you're giving up a lot. You're essentially saying, like, we don't think we can win with Joel and Ben. Like, you're waving the white flag on that, right? Yeah, that's because kinda, you should. I, that, that's the idea behind it. But, but then you're bringing in Karis LeVert, who's, like, a pretty talented young guy. Yeah, and so, like, their starting lineup would be something like this. Of Ben Simmons, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Tobias Harris, and then, you know, if you still had Al Horford, you'd have to pick between Allen and Horford, but, and that, that's your fifth guy then, you know, and it's like, okay, it's not y- bad, you know, like that's, that's good, that's, that's a playoff team still in the East for sure, maybe the chemistry's better, and again, maybe you still have like Josh Richardson would be coming off your bench then, um, Along with Thibel, you know, Korkmaz, Milton. And it's like, you have a legit, like, nine-ish guys. Maybe if you're also able to make one of those Richardson or Horford trades we mentioned earlier, like, you might have a legit, like, 10-man roster. Which with Philly this year, part of the complaints with them is, like, I don't feel like you have, like, more than, like, six guys I'd be comfortable putting on the floor at any given time. Yeah. So it's like, you revamp your depth here, obviously because you're trading for more players than you're sending out. But also, like, they're players that should play. This is the we're trying to win in the next five years move, not the we're trying to win in the next five months move. And I like it. I I think I'm higher on, I know, well, we, I know, are all higher on Jarrett Allen than a lot. Like, not that he's a world-breaking center, but he's a good center. He is good. Karras is good on a $16 million a year deal. Yeah. Like, that's solid. Dinwiddie's. I two for like 23 left on his deal all of a sudden you're not in like this complete tax hell that philly's been in like your books are like movable mm. again which daryl loves because joel i mean it's just such a big deal and basically like three for 90 is what he's got left so you break that up a bit and i i think then you can still move the horford thing you still might be able to move the tobias thing and you build around Simmons, who I think is just the better player out of him and Embiid. Like, even right now, he still might just be the better player. Yeah, I think... It depends on what you want out of a player. What you touched but... on earlier is, like, Jarrett Allen's kind of a sneaky good piece in that deal. Mm-hmm. Is like, that guy can... You're not giving up a ton in, like, interior defense with Jarrett Allen. I mean, like, Joel Embiid could be, like, a top three defensive yeah. player, but, like... He's not. <laughs> he chooses he's, not to be he's always out of shape we're always talking about he needs to get in shape and yeah. all these other things and um i feel like you just get like a solid player back in jared allen who can protect yeah. the rim um i mean for philly you're giving up a lot talent wise but i feel like if that deal's available at the trade deadline or like next off season that's i think it's like a hundred percent happening yeah if if like what worst case scenario happens for both teams happens, which is like completely in line with what could happen. So I, I like this more than I thought I would for both sides. Yeah. Part of that's also your betting on Levert. If you're Philly, like being like really good, but even if he's not, it's a tradable deal. Yeah. I think that's the other part. There's just such flexibility here on the, on the books and so much probably better locker room chemistry, just things that like are more valuable than you think they would be. That's a great point. Well, that's all we got for you for episode 86. Some fun stuff in there. Trade Machine stuff. I love Trade Machine. TradeMachine.com. We still still have no idea when 
we're going to be able to do actually see these things start coming through on Woj's Twitter account because they've got to figure out that still. Like yeah. it could be November twenty third is when it, the week gets of Thanksgiving. Up. Yeah, it could be December first still. I mean, we we've got to start talking about it now though because it's going to be sooner rather than later. Right. You got to think that the the sides have to come like if the NBA is serious about December twenty second. Like you got to have a like, training camp and stuff. Teams have to get in the facilities like two weeks from now. Yeah. Right. Like, legit full go. Yeah. And the draft's on the 18th, so you'd have to assume. It's basically draft, I mean, couple days, free agency. Yeah. <laughs> if you get signed to a new team. You have you, to be there now. Yeah, like, start packing and Like, if you're planning on gone. signing with, like, Chicago, like, you better be in Chicago. Yeah, like, that, that, literally, that like, morning. the next day. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be so tough this year. So maybe more guys. I know that there's a great class anyway. Not that there's a lot of teams with money anyway. Maybe it just inclines more guys to stay. I don't know. Weird things. This is going to be interesting. I just have this gut feeling we're still not going to see the NBA back until like February. Hey, COVID has kind of left everything up in the air at this point. Like, obviously, like I know that's the dumbest statement, but talking about basketball, it it just has to. Yeah. You just don't know. For sure. Well, we will see you back in episode 87. We know when that will be. Yes, we do. That'll be next week. We'll be wrapping up our draft preview before the draft. And then from there. Free agency and trade machine. Free agency and more trade machine, our favorite part of the year. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back in episode 87. Yeah.